Welcome back to another episode. My guest today is Miguel Pobre, and he is the co-founder of Fluid Roots. Miguel and I met each other at the University of Oregon in the School of Journalism and Communications. We knew of each other, but due to time constraints and people always on the go, we never really had a conversation. And uh, it wasn't until I became a member of the Cultura Filipinas Club where that changed, and you know, Miguel and I got to talk, and our friendship started taking form, and it has just blossomed since then. Uh, so I'm very grateful to him for sitting down and talking with me and telling me about his life growing up in Seattle and how he ended up at the University of Oregon, uh, what he's done since, and what he's looking to do now. Um, and I'm very—it was a great interview. I'm very happy with um, you know how it turned out, and I'm very excited for everyone else to you know watch it or listen to it. Uh, and listening to it, you can do now because as of May 2nd, we're officially on Spotify. So that's some exciting news. I'm very happy about this next step in the content producing, content showing uh, evolution that I'm trying to get into. Uh, so if you look up Keone Chats in both Spotify and YouTube, I should be one of the top results. Uh, please subscribe. Please like. Please follow. And... I will do my best to get you guys weekly content and find people that I think are interesting and try to get their interviews, you know, posted so people can learn about, you know, this person or learn about what they do. And so without further ado, please enjoy the interview that you're either watching through YouTube or listening to through Spotify of Miguel Pobre. And, you know, we... We went to school together, and we actually met through the uh, Filipino club, which we'll get to later on. But uh, I know for me, you know, Filipino mother is always overly concerned. So, yeah. how's your how's your family doing, and how is uh, how are they adjusting to what's going on? Yeah, so um, I'm I'm here in Oregon, and my family's up in Washington. So uh, the disconnect is definitely something that you know is is kind of tough because like. Of course, I want to go visit home, especially with like everyone being home right now, um, go see my family and everything. But, but um, just with the whole stay at home thing, uh, I think, you know, it, it, it's hard because like, you know, I'm, I'm staying here and then uh, my dad's actually a nurse. So he's, you know, in the front line. So that's always, you know, concerning and, and kind of tough to, you know, know that he's, you know, kind of kind of surrounded by the whole thing. But I know that he's helping and, you know, staying safe and everything. So um that's been a thing and then you know my mom and my sister my sister's in high school so she's like doing like online classes so she's doing like zoom meetings and and everything for her classes too so um that's you know something that's new to her so i know she's like kind of busy trying to figure all that out while she's you know has school and everything and then my mom's just kind of taking care of the family so it is just tough not being there and then i know that they wanted to come visit here but especially with you know my dad being on the front line it's better not to you know go goes a bunch of places so yeah and then you know it's uh i i had some family uh complications with covid back in the philippines so um mm -hmm. that was definitely tough to you know go through that with my mom and my grandma and not be able to hug them but we're still like within we're in the same room but obviously it's like we had to still keep our distance so it's been tough mm -hmm. so you know thank you to your dad and you know hopefully he this blows over and then he's able to you guys are able to give each other one big hug yeah definitely looking forward to it <laughs> yeah and so can you you know I, I have an idea of my version of a childhood in a filipino home but can you tell me how yours was growing yeah. up and 
I know uh, Filipinos also love the party. So can you tell me about some of those? Oh, absolutely. So um, just with my family, um, I guess uh, Filipinos are huge on like, you know, family gatherings and parties, like you mentioned. But I think part of like, you know, the big difference with how I grew up, at least in my very early years, is that um, in the U.S., for both sides of my uh, parents, um, for the most part, they're actually the only ones out of like family, brothers and sisters who are actually here in the U.S. So um, in terms of like, you know, all those like fun family gatherings with, you know, big parties and stuff, I didn't have as many in like the early years of like me growing up just because no one else was in like the U.S. Mm -hmm. And then um, went to the Philippines for the first time uh, or so the first time I went to the Philippines, I was like two years old. So I don't really like remember. Um, but the first actual time was uh, in high school, my junior year of high school. Um, and then, you know, that was the first big, like, you know, time since, like, the whole family's been, like, together. So that was really, like, you know, a big Filipino party with, you know, everything from, you know, um, lechon and karaoke and dancing and everything. So that was my first, like, real experience with, like, a big, like, family Filipino party. So that was, that was awesome. That was amazing. But um, just in terms of like, you know, growing up in a Filipino household, like the neighborhood that I grew up in and like the high school that I went to was like majority white. So I just didn't have as many like Filipino friends and um, like, like I said, no family members like around. So um, not as much surroundings for like Filipino families um, in like when I was growing up, but throughout middle school and high school, I made some Filipino friends. And then um, my grandma, Lola Mama, is what we called her. Uh, may she rest in peace. She was the only other family that was like really like, she was like 10 minutes away. So we would be seeing her a lot um, just because she was like always around. But other than that, there wasn't much like Filipino family in terms of my family, like around when I was growing up. How did you get past that feeling of, you know, there's not a lot of people that are same culture as me or same ethnicity as me, since you also mentioned that you were in a primarily white school. Yeah, so I guess for me, it was, um, uh, you know how all Filipinos kind of have, you know, their cousin that's not really their cousin. Yep. So that was kind of my first, like, you know, he wasn't like family, family, but like uh, my cousin's family and my family were pretty close. So that was actually the um, connection that I kind of had throughout, you know, uh, like growing up middle school to like into high school because um, his family was like you know my cousin that was you know I'd, I'd always go over there in the summer they'd come over to our house so that was kind of the first kind of connection I had with like you know a Filipino family and you know my cousin and everything and then um, in middle school um, I met uh, one of my best friends to this day Sandy uh, her and her family was very her and her family were very welcoming to me and my family um, uh, I was like the new kid at school or in middle school. So, you know, I didn't have any friends there. She was one of the first friends that I made. And then, um, you know, her grandma's Olympia fire. And then <laughs> just like, look, I, I didn't really connect with my Filipino culture until I was hanging out with them more. Um, because, uh, one of the ways she kind of wrote me in actually was, um, she needed a partner for tinickling. <laughs> like you know and then uh, because I was one of the only other like Filipino kids in the school she was like well let's just ask Miguel like I know he's new but you know maybe he can do it and I was like I've never done it before but I guess you know we'll practice and we did it and then 
yeah, that's kind of where it started was noodles yeah. with Sandy, tinickling. <laughs> Can you explain what tinickling is? Yeah, I try so, to. <laughs> yeah, I try to. Um, basically, tinickling is a Filipino dance, traditional dance with um, two bamboo sticks. And um, the story is basically, it's about, um, basically the dance is about two birds going around the bamboo traps, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's something like that. And then, um, yeah, I mean, we performed it as, you can, there's so many iterations to it, but uh, in eighth grade, yeah, we performed it as uh, just us two, and then the clappers were um, her uncle and my dad. Yeah. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. <laughs> we performed it once for um, her grandma and grandpa's uh, 50th anniversary, and then we mm -hmm. also performed it, like, at, like, our middle school's, like, extravaganza at the end of the year, which was pretty funny, but... <laughs> Yeah, that was the beginning of that. <laughs> <laughs> what was it about UO that really caught your attention? And um, in specifically, you know, the journalism school, how'd you end up there? Yeah, so um, just uh, when I was applying for colleges and everything, um, or at least just even just first doing like the research on like, you know, what is college and everything, I guess um, one of the things that, um, you know, I knew of just from, you know, watching college sports and everything. And I was like, you know, Oregon's like this huge school. I know they're, you know, very prominent, you know, legendary school in terms of Nike and just, you know, like its legacy as a school and with sports. Um, and I think sports actually was part of the draw, um, you know, just being part of like a big sports school. And uh, during the summer of, what is it, sophomore year, I think it is, or jun junior year when you're like, you know, researching before you go, mm -hmm. um, me and my best friend, James, uh, we took a trip with my dad, um, down like to Oregon, we went to like UP, went we went all the way down to Eugene, toward U, toward U of O, and you know did like hit the schools going all the way back up. Um, it was like a day trip. It was super fun. Um, and then yeah, when we got to campus, like at U of O, um, just like it was you know summertime, so sun was shining. You know we had a tour and everything, but I was like wow, like this place is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Like you know like all the buildings were super nice, and I was like you know I can I can see myself here, and I I hadn't I didn't even know anything about it yet. So that was kind of the first initial thing was when I like first actually like was there. And I know that like a lot of people who are out of state, I'm just lucky because I was so close. I know a lot of people out of state, like don't actually get to see the colleges that they go to sometimes, or at least like before they go. So I was lucky to see it in person. Like, you know, I already was like had a feeling. And then, um, yeah, we went back up and, you know, we we're applying to colleges. And then um, pretty much every college I applied to was out of state. And everyone's like, oh, why don't you like, you know, with all the things that I just said about like sports and, you know, prominent school and everything, people always ask me like, why didn't you just apply to UW because it's right there. And I think for me, I like wanted to be like somewhere else. You know, I, I've been in Seattle my whole life. I think it was time like, you know, if, if I don't leave, you know, for another like four years then and when I have the opportunity to, I'm just going to be here my whole life, which isn't a bad thing. I love Seattle, but. I think like being able to see what else is out there, of course, you know, um, and live in another place. I think that was like very, like I, I really wanted to do that. So U of O was just kind of the, the top school um, in terms of like giving me an opportunity to do that. So uh, once I got in, I took it right away. That was, that was the one. So there you go, man. So that, you said it was a road trip with your dad and your friend or just you and your dad? Oh, me, me, my friend, uh, James and my dad. 
that's a pretty long road trip from Seattle yeah. all the way to Eugene and back up. Like, yeah, it was basically driving all day and touring for like an hour. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it was, it was a long day, but it was, it was really fun. Yeah. Do you, um, you know, being trapped in a car with, you know, those people for endless <laughs> hours, I, I imagine you can drive someone a little batty, but how, how do you think that kind of trip, what, what kind of impact do you think that trip had on your relationship with your dad and your friend James and, you know, just for you? Yeah. So, um, so if you know me, I actually don't like driving, um, not necessarily being in the car, but I just don't like driving myself. So that's why I love Uber. I love Lyft because <laughs> I'd rather have someone else drive me. Yeah. Um, but I think, cause that was actually the first time, you know, of course that I went to Eugene and, you know, that was the longest like road trip I ever had up to that point. So for me, it was more of like, I guess like it was prepping me for like, cause basically when I ended up going to U of O, I did that trip a million times. So I think that was the first time I was like, wow, like, you know, this is like a, a long road trip, you know, like this is what everyone talks about when they're doing road trips, but it was, you know, a few hours, but um, yeah, I think just because like I had my friend James with me and, um, you know, my dad, my dad's the coolest dad ever. So it was, it, it wasn't like no one hated each other by the end of the trip or anything. I think we were all just excited because, you know, James and I are in high school, so we're still young. We're just, you know, ready to see, you know, what else is out there. I think, um, like I said, just with like college research and, you know, what is college? Like, I really had no idea at that point. So I think we were just more excited rather than like nervous because I didn't really know, you know, what, I didn't know what to expect for a college tour and, you know, like, where, where are we going? Like, Eugene, Oregon, I don't even know what that means, you know? Like, I've, <laughs> I've seen it on TV, that's really it, you know? So, I think it was more excitement, and, uh, yeah, I guess the whole actual five hours from Seattle to Eugene was kind of prepping me for me driving and doing that so many times, and like I said, I'm not the fondest of driving, so it was definitely, you know, that was the first time I made that trip, and definitely wouldn't have been the last, so... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I'm in Portland and, you know, to Eugene, it's only like two hours, depending on the traffic and your driving. Uh, I just remember that drive was horrible during the holidays and oh, you know, yeah. weekends and everyone trying to get out at the same time. You're like, oh, God. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how did you end up at the... Yeah, oh, I have a quick story about a trip like that, actually, <laughs> just because you mentioned like holidays and stuff. So this is actually my freshman year in at U of O. Um, I like, you know, I didn't, this was the first time I was going home, like, you know, since college, basically, right? Like, since I moved in. So I didn't really know, like, the whole, like, holiday thing. I didn't know how crazy it would be. Um, I had to, you know, like, take some stuff and get ready to go back home. Like, you know, I was going to fly. And then I was trying to get a taxi or, you know, some way, some way to drive to the airport because, you know, it's not like walking distance. Mm -hmm. But all the taxis were, like, busy and full and you know uh they were kicking you out of the dorm so i was like damn i don't have like a, a way to get to the airport and basically like i was about to miss my flight so then um you know i was calling just friends with cars and asked you know whoever i knew or whoever was there i was like hey do you have anyone that can drive me to the airport i'll pay you um but like no one could do it and then uh, one of my friends uh who's actually from seattle he was living in eugene and then i called him I'm like, hey, like, can you drive me to the airport, like, right now? Like, I'm about to miss my flight. And he's like, perfect timing. I just got out of the gym. Like, I can drive you right now. I was like, perfect. We get to the airport. And, you know, Eugene Airport's pretty small. So you can see the, 
the plane basically like when you walk in mm-hmm. so i see them i see my plane and i'm trying to check in but then basically the lady was like you missed your check-in by like five minutes i'm so sorry like we can get you on the next flight i'm like the plane is right there like can you please just check me in right now and i can just literally walk get my bag checked and be on the plane because they haven't taken off yet and i know they're not because like you know it wasn't time yet they closed the gates like 30 minutes before or something like that so i'm like i'm right here and she's like i'm sorry we can't do that blah 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 and then uh i think that was like a friday and i was like uh when's the next flight i need to you know get home asap and then she was like oh the next flight's gonna be sunday morning i'm like i need to be home like tomorrow Ooh. i was like uh, i'm not sure and i was like okay uh i was like I'll, I'll let you know so i like didn't book the flight and everything and then uh my friend uh, was like, you know, like, hey, what are you going to do? And I was like, I don't know. And then uh, my dad, the superhero that he is, he goes, hey, I'm going to drive to Eugene right now and, like, come pick you up. And mind you, it's, like, 10 p.m. So, like, wow. it, it's dead not, dead at night. So my dad's like, you know, like, hey, just stay put, you know, like, you know, hang out with your friend, do whatever you need to do. But, like, I'm I'm going to come pick you up, like, right now. I was like, it's, it's like, it's 10 o'clock. It's, like, dead at night. Like, are you sure? I don't want you to be tired. He's like, no, don't worry. I got this. And yeah, my dad's, I don't know how he did it, to be honest, but he drove all the way and picked me up in Eugene at like 3 a.m. or whatever it was, Holy hung God. out at my friend's house um, and just kind of kind of hung out there because he, he was uh, upperclassman, so he wasn't in the dorms or anything, so he had his own place. And then, yeah, my dad picked me up. And then because, you know, I was, I was kind of okay, like I was awake, obviously, um, like I drove, you know, partway home. Uh, so that my dad didn't have to drive the whole way, but basically he was in the car for like 10 hours because we drove straight back. Like we didn't like stop or anything. So yeah, my dad is a superhero. It was crazy during the holidays. I didn't realize. And yeah, he picked me up like at like 3am in Eugene from Seattle the same day. Wow. That's a dad of the year. Dad of everything. Oh, he's literally the best. I I honestly don't know how he did it, (laughs) but yeah, but he, he's, he's a fan of driving. I'm not. So I was like, I mean, if he can do it, he can do it. You know, that I I don't know if I could have done that. (laughs) You're, you're a driver when you need to be, but if you don't need to be passengers. Yeah. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I don't know how he did it, but that was my first experience with holidays. Like, you know, trying to, trying to get out of Eugene. Cause yeah, I couldn't get a taxi you know it was, it was impossible to get to the airport if you didn't know someone so yeah yeah so uh, how did you end up in the journalism school or what yeah. made you want to go there so initially i think like a lot of people i started out as business so i wasn't um like actually looking at the j school when i first applied to U of O. at least um i think business was always something that you know if, as general as it, as it is i was like i think that's definitely somewhere that i really want to be um but then uh it was funny it was in one of those like uh short little presentations at the beginning of classes when you know different schools and clubs kind of go in front of the class and um there was a journalism school one and you know for once they i was paying attention so i was like you know that actually seems really interesting um and then yeah what do you know basically the next uh term um i switched majors and i became a journalism major because uh, i started uh, it was mainly because of photography I started being a photographer in high school. And then um, when I heard that J school presentation, I saw it as a chance to be like a professional photographer, or at least, you know, be paid for my work. So I was like, you know, I think that actually gives me a better chance of doing that than <laughs> business. Um, and it's obviously it could still be a business. So in my head, I was like, I think that's, that might actually be the path I want to go. And it was funny because it was just one of those short, like, 
five minute presentations in the beginning of a class, but I was like, you know, that actually sounds pretty cool. Mm -hmm. And then after doing all the research and, you know, like how can I, you know, switch majors and everything, um, it was kind of seamless with the business minor. So I still took the same business classes that I wanted to, or for the most part, and then switched to J and just worked out. So I was like, you know, I think this was the right decision because I'm a J major and uh, with like what I learned about being creative and, you know, creating, uh, I definitely think that it helped me out. So yeah, and in my last year, uh, you know, I did see flyers for the Filipino club. And once mm -hmm. I joined, you know, I wasn't there for too long, but, you know, I did make some friends there and, you know, you our friendship kind of blossomed from there. How long were you in the Filipino club and what really kind of drew you into there? Yeah, so it's, it's a funny story actually, because so my freshman year, um, I was like already, you know, kind of recruited. I forgot who it was through, but someone was already telling me about um, KP and the Filipino club, um, Cultura Filipinas, like before, mm -hmm. like, you know, my freshman year. And then um, I, I couldn't join because at that time um, I already joined Duck Street Dance Club. So I was um, already dancing and the meeting times were the same time as Duck Street practice. So for that reason alone, I didn't actually join KP um, my freshman and my sophomore year because funny enough, the practices were also the same day for um, my sophomore year too. So what I did was I only attended uh, the culture night. So my freshman year, I was there for the culture night. Um, and uh like that was really cool and like you know the whole performance they put on um and uh i was there i, I don't think i attended my sophomore year culture night but it was finally my junior year that um alex Lucandazo, she she um messaged me and she was like hey like you know like we'd love to have you at um uh kp uh we're not doing like a formal meeting we're doing um we're going to um was it Manila? Was that at the restaurant in Eugene or in Springfield? It was the only Filipino restaurant like for miles. Um, but every term they usually like one of the meetings, they go there and they just eat and everyone just like hangs out and stuff. So she was like, yeah, like we're not doing an actual meeting. Like you can just come to the restaurant with us. And I was like, that so sounds great. Like I didn't, haven't even heard of it yet. And that was my junior year. And that was my first time going to a meeting. So it was really just meeting everyone and like eating Filipino food. And then basically from there, that's how I like got in. The meeting times were different for Duck Street and KP. So I was able to attend. Um, I ended up becoming an intern there. So I was, you know, hanging out with like the, um, like the staff and I kind of helped with like culture night and some of the other events. And then uh, my senior year, I was um, one half of the PR coordinators. So that was like a, I was actually like a part of the group and like, you know, in the staff and helping plan stuff. So that was, it was, it was cool because um, I, I felt like, you know, I was already like older cause I kind of came in late, but just like the way everyone was and like, like what you mentioned earlier with like, you know, there's other Filipinos here. I didn't, I didn't meet that many my freshman, sophomore year. So when I was surrounded by everybody, my junior, senior, year, I was like, you know, this, this is pretty cool. I'm kind of sad that I missed out before, but I definitely made those those last two years count with KP. Yeah, my my very very first memory with KP was uh, my brother. He went to University of Oregon for I think two. Uh, let's see, 2010 through 12, uh, mm -hmm. and he texted me one day. We lived together because I was going to Lane Community College at the time, mm 
Mm -hmm. uh, he texts me. He's like, hey, come to, uh, I think, next to the library because there's a, a Filipino event going on. So mm -hmm. I was like, okay, sure. We were just like right down the street. So I headed over and I just remember like walking in and getting handed a plate of spaghetti and hot dogs. <laughs> so <Nice. laughs> and I remember just walking around like, oh, this is, this is a Filipino club. This is cool. <laughs> so you know, it's, uh, it was, it's definitely, you know, again, my stint was pretty short. Yours is longer, but it's still like, you know, every second there was a lot of fun. Just getting mm -hmm. to know more about the culture and just getting know, to know more about, you know, what our background is, was pretty honorable. So definitely during your time, you know, you also got to be a part of the Oregon men's club basketball as your media mm -hmm. relations manager. Uh, now, I think I, I've saw some of your photos from your time there. So I mean, that's obviously that's gotta be some great practice for, you know, sports shots. And uh, can you kind of tell me about what your role was with the club basketball team and then uh, how that kind of um, experience kind of helped you, you know, prepare yourself for the real world or prepare yourself for life outside of college? Yeah. So, um, my sophomore year, I started taking photos for um, the Oregon pit crew for um, like the student section. Um, so that was my first uh, kind of stint with sports photography in the college setting. So um, it was from there where, um, you know, I got, you know, a little practice in, but um, after receiving a lot of critiques, I was thinking, you know, maybe, you know, this might not be for me, especially because um, through the pit crew, I wasn't able to actually get a media pass. So I wasn't actually sitting in like, you know, in the actual area you're supposed to be when you're taking photos. Um, but basically from there, um, uh, one of my uh, good friends, Corel, uh, basically he was saying that, hey, we, we just started, you know, a club basketball team. Um, I know you're taking photos. So if you want to, um, you know, take some photos for the team, you know, we'd love that. And I was like, yeah, I was like, if you guys are so new you guys should have me. I was like, you need an Instagram, you need a Facebook, you need everything. Like, let's get it going. He was like, yeah, sure. He's like, go ahead. And, you know? So I, I made them a Facebook or maybe I didn't make them the Facebook, but I made them the Instagram. Um, I hopped on the Facebook to kind of help with their social media and then um, started taking photos. Like I took uh, their headshots and everything. And then um, that year um, it was the, the national tournament for um, the region of, I guess the Northwest or whatever for, um, our league and then um it was it was basically just that tournament um and then uh Carl was like hey like you know we're gonna get a crowd out you know it's gonna be at the rec center so you know you can just bring your camera and you know um and then typically the rec center doesn't allow cameras but when I walked in I was like oh yeah I was like I'm, a, I'm the manager for the club basketball team which I wasn't at the time but they're like oh yeah for sure go ahead like it's fine I was like, oh, perfect. So I was like, that worked. That worked. <laughs> and like, I kind of knew it was anyway, because like it was like the tournament they were kind of like set up. Um, but that was my first time taking photos for them. Um, that was when I uh, met the coach, uh, Blake. And then from there, Blake was like, you know, like, you know, you can really do this, you know, like moving forward. I feel like you can, you know, just like stick with the team. And then I was like, is that like a thing? Like, I was like, I don't know. I thought I was just kind of doing it like almost as like a favor for Corral just to like, you know, get some photos for them. But then the next year, um, Blake graduated and then um, the new coach, Aaron, I met him and then Corel was still on the team. And um, basically like they asked me like, hey, like do you want to take more photos for us? So I took like more headshots for them. And then from there, uh, they were going to like travel for tournaments. And uh, 
basically still like, you know, I was spending a lot of time with the team and like taking photos for their games, but, um, you know, I wasn't getting paid or anything, especially, you know, as a student, but basically they offered me, um, it, basically they paid for my airfare and my hotel, um, but I was able to travel with the team for free. Um, so basically, like, that was awesome because basically, you know, I'm traveling for free. I'm not getting paid, but like the, what I'm getting paid in is experience. So my first year, we flew out to UCLA and uh, Ohio State for the national tournament. And just from there, like I was, you know, we were a team. We were traveling, you know, we, we eventually got matching backpacks. You know, we had, like, it, we were a real team. And it wasn't like the D1 team or anything, but like this was the next best thing to me because it was still a team. We had a coach. Like I was the media guy. Like, you know, we were traveling together, you know, team meals and, you know, hanging out with everybody, you know, post-game, pre-game. Like it was the whole, whole thing. And I felt like I was part of like, you know, like a, a real team and like athletically, you know, like I, I love basketball, but all of them can be me 10-0 every time. So I was like, you know, this is, this is as close to me playing as I can get. So I was like, you know, getting close with the guys, um, taking photos and, you know, just being around them, being in the team aspect was, was everything. And I did that for basically three years. And then even when I graduated um, from U of O, uh, Carell was still there and he was like, hey, like, you know, we're, we're still traveling if you want to join us. And I was like, I was working at the time, but I was like, you know what, if I can get some time off, I think I, I can make this work. So I basically traveled with them for free for three years, got all that experience, like with the team, you know, new new players coming in and out. And and yeah, it was it was really fun. It was really, really cool. Yeah. So just, uh, you know, a couple of questions about that. Uh, who critiqued you on your pit crew photos? Yeah. So Eric Check, he's a fellow J school. Um, photographer he's an amazing photographer and um when uh fur pit crew because he he was like the lead i don't know what the titles were called but he was like the lead photo guy mm-hmm. and um me and our group we would uh you know take photos at games and um submit them to him and then he'd kind of you know take the the finals and and take and post them right um but basically you know like for even some of the photos you know like some of the games i noticed that some of mine weren't really like getting posted i'm like oh that's fine like theirs were great too Mm -hmm. and then we sat down for one of the meetings he's like you know i realized we didn't really like sit down and talk about like what you should be looking for in sports photos we're just kind of going taking them coming back that was it so at first there weren't really like actual critiques so it wasn't until we really sat down that um you know he would bring up examples on the screen and everything and you know, it didn't mention who whose was whose. But I was looking, and I was like, pretty much all of those are mine. Like, you know, I know that. So I was like, yep, yep. So basically, it was from there that like I got the real critiques. And then of course, I talked to him after, and was like, you know, hey, like, you know, I know that a lot of those are mine. Like, you know, what, how else can I improve uh, other than you know what you mentioned? And he was kind of my first like guide to taking like sports photos. And yeah, from there, you know, it was more, it was experience, just, you know, like shooting more games and um, everything. And then, yeah, just uh, getting more critiques from him and, you know, other sports photographers. So they say that in photography, or at least, you know, action, uh, there's three things that are, you know, the hardest to shoot, which is animals, sports, and babies. And that's because you never know what they're going to do next, which I, I found out, you know, there's so many times I'm at a basketball game, you know, player will do a pump fake, I'll look up, and then, you know, they're passing it to someone else, and I miss the shot, and I'm like, yeah. like you know, you, never, you really never know, so. I mean, that's that's why you take, like, close to 300 photos for or whatnot, just to make sure mm-hmm. that, 
oh, I missed this, but I do have this. Yeah. This looks good too. I, I guess in, in my experiences, but then, you know, it's, uh, yeah, it, it is definitely a way of to be a part of, you know, something when you can't really be a part of, you know, sports or just, you know, say news. And that's what I think is great about, you know, the field that we're in. It's like, if we do, want to be a part of something or we need to improve on a field like whether it's photography or just telling stories or you know be in front of a camera like right now you know, yeah just you have so many opportunities to just practice and do it mm -hmm. people that might say like oh you know you weren't able to get photos for you know the ducks you know men's basketball team so you're your club might some might see it as like a tier one versus tier two thing mm -hmm. what do you what do you say to those people that are like that have that kind of connotation when it comes to you know club sports taking photos for club sports versus taking photos for a uh, you know an act the the official team yeah um funny enough a lot of the times when we traveled um you know like i said we had matching sweaters at least or you know colors and backpacks and everything and a lot of people on the plane actually thought we were like the d1 team and so a lot of people if you didn't know you actually like we were the team right and, you know, we're walking around with our O's and, you know, walking around campus. Some people would think that um, we were like the one team. And just act outside of that, um, even when I, I do tell people that, you know, I took photos for the club basketball team, they still think, you know, like a lot of those photos are of the D1 team. Um, but just in terms of, you know, like ranking, I guess, of that, I think, at least with sports, it, it really doesn't matter what level you're at or shooting or working with. I feel like, you know, a team's a team sports photo still good sports photo if it is you know and to me it's just it's more of like the experience like like i mentioned you know I, that was the closest to like a real team that i ever got so to me I, i'd rather travel and you know do those do those things with the club team rather than the d1 team because especially because we were like a lot smaller and you know we were our own like you know no one was binding us to anything so we, we could essentially do whatever we wanted and just, you know, being like, you know, photographer and like the media guy, like, I feel like I could do whatever I wanted. There was no like, oh, I can't say this because, you know, we're the official Ducks Twitter or something, you know. So to me, it was more creative and, you know, more open to be part of the club team. So I, I, I love that experience, like even more. And, you know, of course, like, I, I would love to shoot for, you know, the D1 team. But like the club team was honestly like, not especially now that, you know, I've gone through all the traveling and doing all this stuff. I would definitely say that I wouldn't trade that experience for anything. There you go, man. So you're, you leave University of Oregon with all this experience with the basketball team and, you know, being a coordinator when it comes to the Filipino club or, you know, being in the exec part of that. Um, what kind of jobs were, did you try for, did you fail for leaving college? And then uh, can you kind of tell me how you uh, kind of found your way uh, onto Nike's campus as not as a Nike employee, but as uh, a contractor. Yeah. So um, uh, when I first uh, graduated college, because um, I was still doing the summer classes, um, like after like the the walking part. So yep. it was in that summer when I was trying to decide, you know, what was what was the next step, you know. And um, to me, that step was going to be um, here in Portland. Mm -hmm. So. Um, not too not too fond of this story, but here it is. So I, I accepted a job at the Oregon Zoo to be a photographer, which mm -hmm. me, I was like, you know, that's awesome. That's a huge board. That's, you know, like a big opportunity for me to, you know, like show them what I got. Um, 
So I accepted the job, you know, I went in and everything and, you know, I was like, Hey, like, do I need to bring my camera? Like, you know, like, how do I, how would I do this? What do I, you know, like, what are the steps to, you know, get this going? They were like, don't worry, we have cameras, you know, like just, just, you know, it's your first day, just come in. I was like, all right. So I come in, blah, blah, blah. We're going through everything. And then, you know, like getting to the camera part, they hand me a camera and there's like a stuffed animal, like ladybug on the lens. And I was like, it's kind of weird, but I was like, okay, I don't know. I guess it's a zoo theme. I was like, sure. And then, um, you know, they were taking me, you know, into the field. And then basically, um, instead of being like, you know, taking photos of the lions and, you know, the penguins and doing all the fun stuff, I found out that the job was actually um, to be the souvenir photographer for people when they're walking in. Ooh. Yeah. So let's just say, long story short, I quit the next day because yeah. that is not what I signed up for. Um, like, you know, the details of everything, I was definitely miscommunicated. Um, and, you know, I wasn't aware that that was what it was. So I was like, yep, that's, I'm out. And then um, basically I um, called up, I, I used to work at Finish Line, like the sneaker store, like in the mall. Um, so I called up my old manager in Washington, actually, and I was like, hey, I know there's a finish line here in Portland. I was like, can you please, you know, see if they're hiring? Because, like, I need a job, like, right now. <laughs> so I ended up working at finish line um, for three months. Um, just, you know, while I was trying to figure out what I was going to do since that didn't work out. And then, um, yeah, my friend, uh, he talked to me and he was like, hey, like, you know, I have an opportunity for you. You know, it's on Nike's campus if you want to be a part of it. And I was like, let's do it. And, um, yeah, I was a receptionist at Nike and that was kind of my first first step into the door in terms of uh, getting on campus so yeah they can't, what did it mean to be on that campus and also with your history of how you got into sneakers with the Jordan 6 being the one that got this whole thing started uh, yeah because I've snuck on the campus uh, as a non-employee and I'm just like this is where you know this is it this is the mecca this is the home home court so how did you feel about that yeah so um, whether I was, you know, contract or, you know, however it was like for me to get on campus, you know, I was like, this, this is it. Like, like you said, it, it was the Mecca of like, you know, sneakerheads and the brand and, you know, where it was really born and everything. So I was like, this, this is amazing. And, and the coolest part about being, um, like front desk for Nike was that at least for what, um, my role was, is, uh, I was able to kind of go around to every building. So I was able to see, you know, where, different teams were operating on, on different sides of campus. So being able to like really be, you know, kind of behind the scenes, maybe not working with those teams, but just seeing all the teams and knowing where everybody sits, that was probably like the coolest part. Cause you know, you, you do get to see some of the things that, you know, others don't get to. So that was, it was just cool to be, you know, in the creative space of people that made the products that I love. So that from then on, I was like, you know, I, I need to get on one of these teams. And I'm, I'm lucky that I did. Yeah. Time when you're the Oregon Men's Club Media Relations Manager. How much of did you pull from that into that new position you got with Nike? Yeah. So from that front desk role, uh, I landed a role as the as a Nike expert on demand, which is just a fancy way of saying uh, social media um, support guy for for Nike. Um, and then from there, I think the biggest thing that I pulled from the club basketball team experience was um, just my experience with um, 
Team Nike, as well as um, just like basketball performance in general. Um, as an expert on demand, um, what my role was, was basically I was answering questions about um, products and, you know, I, I had to give information about tech, performance, and, you know, all the, all the things about, you know, using Nike products, like using them for what they're made for, what, you know, for performance. And um, I, I love playing basketball casually, but, you know, like at a competitive level, I never really did that. But seeing, seeing the guys on the club basketball team and, you know, knowing their experiences um, with like Nike products, like basketball shoes, you know, like I play casually. So it, it's a little bit of a different experience in terms of like, you know, what's actually good on court. So like relating that experience into the workplace um, without actually playing competitively was really cool because um, everyone on that team is, is so unique because, you know, there's how many Nike products out there in the world, you know, from past to present, there's a million, probably more than that. So I think it was, it was the experience of having, you know, like that sort of competitive basketball without being a part of it is like very unique. And every person on that expert on demand team has their own experiences, whether they played in college or, you know, they played in high school or they played professionally and are retired or, you know, don't play anymore. And it, every person on that team had their own experience and our like communication in between us in terms of learning things from each other. That was like the biggest part of the job in terms, in terms of like relaying the same and most accurate information to like customers. You know, receptionist positions, it's always been an entryway for more opportunities. And I'm happy to hear that you, you took advantage of India. You got it. But, you know, I did, uh, I did stumble onto your social media and I did see that you got to take some photos for an XFL game. You, you told me a story about that and I think it's amazing. Can you yeah. share with me again? Yeah, no, definitely. That's for, hands down one of the most fun experiences I've ever had. So um, just like a backstory on like just the XFL. Um, I obviously didn't watch it back in, you know, 2001 because um, I, was, I was six years old. I didn't even know what football was. Um, but like, just like, you know, learning about it later on, I was like, you know, that was actually not a, not a terrible idea, you know, like having another professional football league, that's not the NFL for, um, you know, players that might be retired or, you know, that just can't make it on an NFL team, uh, maybe not even make it in the CFL, but still want to play professionally. So I was like, you know, that, that sounds really cool. And then I think it was either 2018 or, or it was 2019 when they announced that it was, you know, going to be brought back up again. And I was like, you know what, this could be a huge thing, especially because, you know, that gives not another opportunity for someone like me to, you know, go take photos for them. And I think in my head, it was, you know, still kind of, it was established, right. But it was still like a startup business. So I was in my head, I was like, you know, I think if I emailed, um, cause Seattle got a team, so I was like, you know, if I email the guy, the media guy for the Seattle Dragons, I was like, I have a feeling that he's going to respond to me. I don't know if he will, but, you know, he might take a chance on someone because I feel like there's no bad publicity with, like, adding more people taking photos of their game. So opening week arrived. Um, I was already in Seattle. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to just send him an email. And it was, like, two days before the game. So I was like, oh, I don't know if he'll even respond. And he did respond, like, the same night. But basically, he said, hey, like, I, uh, I would love to have you, you know, come take photos of the game, but uh, you kind of missed the deadline um, just because the game's, you know, in a few days. But he said, hey, we have another home game uh, the next week. If you want to, you know, email me again, we can take a look into it. And I was like, 
that's, you know, that's not a no. So, you know, I saw my opportunity, so that was great. And then, you know, I let him know, hey, I'm going to be at the first game, the opening game. So I went with my friends. So I still enjoyed it. And it was cool because I never went to a Seahawks game before. I've never, you know, been in CenturyLink. So just being there for, even though it was a Dragons game, like it, the environment was still crazy, you know, it was, it was still loud. It was really fun. And then the next week, send him that email. I showed him my resume, you know, my photos, everything. I was like, hey, I would love to take photos. And then pretty much the next day, he was like, hey, I approved you for a pass, you know, blah, blah, blah. I was like, that's awesome. Except I was here in Beaverton, so I was like, I got to get back up there. <laughs> so literally the next day, I took um, a Flix bus up to Seattle. And then that literally the next morning, I was at CenturyLink, like, picking up my, my lanyard. So it was, it was all, like, really fast because um, I got approved, like, two days before. But it was it was fun because I walked in, you know, um, and obviously all the other photographers there, like, they all have probably done this before. They've been there, right? So I knew me walking in, like, they're like, all right, who's this guy? But I just acted like I've been there before. You know, I put my gear down and everything, like, you know, at the table um, and everything, just kind of setting up. And then uh, I was picking up my uh, my vest, you know, like, to show that I'm a media guy. And then the guy was like, yeah, man, uh, we got water for you this week. You know, like, sorry, we didn't have any last week. Like, we got snacks. Just let us know what you need. And I was like, oh, yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. And then I was just acting like I've been there the whole time. But I, it was really my first time. So it was, it was just fun to be in the environment and kind of play the part that, um, you know, that I never did in college. Because, um, like I said, I never got a media pass in college. So that was really the first experience with me, like, you know, picking up a pass, really, you know, being able to sit with, you know, everyone else. And yeah, it was um, definitely a crazy experience. And uh, when I emailed the media director for the Seattle Dragons, um, I didn't tell him in the email. I just told him that I take sports photos. Um, but if you really looked at my resume and looked at everything that I sent him, you'll notice one glaring thing, which was I, there's no football photos in there. And um, I didn't tell him, uh, like, I actually never told him, but, like, when I got there, that was actually my first football game I've ever taken photos for. So um, taking sports photos is one thing, and, you know, uh, having the experience of, like I said, like, just knowing where things are at a, at a certain game. But, yeah, it was – I've never shot um, a football game, like, not even, like, you know, flag football with friends, like, you know, not even intramurals or, or you know, anything like that. Um, so it was, like, crazy because it was, like, my first professional sports game – and it was like my first football game. So it was like everything that day was a first. Um, so it was definitely like an experience. Like um, I had a 70 to 200, but I was like, you know, you need like a 600 for football because everything's so far away. So like I really had to, I really had to work to like make the photos work. But I think I did a really good job of like capturing things differently than everyone else. I tried to not stand next to other photographers so that I didn't get the same shot as them. And um, yeah, but it was, it was really, really cool because uh, after the game, um, I, I wasn't on assignment, obviously. I wasn't like hired by anyone. Um, so after the game, a lot of the photographers like already left to go edit in the media room. But I stayed on the field and like, you know, I like talked to some players. I took more um, photos of them interacting with each other and like the fans. I met a few of them and um, I said hi to uh, an old friend, um, Alex Balducci. He went to Oregon. Yeah. Um, yeah. I was friends with him uh, through, I can't, I think it was a business class, but I was friends with him because we were in the same group. 
but I knew he was playing at that game. So I, I made sure to try to find him. And, you know, uh, I was like, hey, I'm not sure if you remember me, but I was like, you know, I uh, was in your business. He's like, oh, yeah, of course I remember you. So it was like cool because like yeah. it was like seeing like old friends and just like meeting the players and, you know, uh, like they're all they're all professional players. So it was really cool to just kind of talk with some of them mm-hmm. um, and, you know, seeing some like ex-NFL guys and everything like Landry Jones was the quarterback of the other team. I was like, you know, that's pretty cool seeing seeing uh-huh. him, you know, yeah. I was like, that that's pretty cool. So you could tell there was you know, like NFL talent like um, that I was like shooting. So it was really cool. And then um, went into the media room after, um, like I said, all, everyone's like editing and everything, but everyone had a table, but I didn't have a table because one, I was like new or I like, I didn't have a space to edit. So what I did was I took all the stackable chairs and I stacked like six on top of each other. And then I sat in a chair and I put my laptop down put in my hard drive and I was editing like on chairs because there wasn't like room at the table because everyone was in there at that point. So I was just like, you know, I like, I got to get it done. Right. You know, like I got to act like I'm, you know, sending it in, you know, sending in my selects right now. But um, yeah, it was just really cool. Um, Since I wasn't on assignment because typically you send, you know, maybe a package of like 20 or 30 of your best. So that's why a lot of the media people actually like finish really quick. But because I wasn't on assignment and no one was kicking me out, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to edit everything. So I actually had 100 selects, which is insane. So I was like, you know what? I just sat there. I think it took me two hours. I went through all my selects, edited all of them. And I just like, I sat there. I was the last media person to leave the room because I was like, I was there like two, two hours after the game ended. So I was basically there at the stadium for like, a little less than like 12 hours because I was there, you know, from the morning till like nighttime. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I was sitting there, edited everything, and I was like, damn, that was a long, long day. Like it was, it was crazy, but it was super cool because I posted on Instagram right after. Um, and I, uh, the next day, I took all the photos and I like paired them up with like, you know, each player. Mm-hmm. And then I actually sent them off to each player um, like through Instagram. And like, I want to say like at least maybe like 10 to 15 of them like actually reposted they my photo they tagged me uh a lot of them you know like hit me back and like you know I talked to a lot of them I'd say that I'm friends with you know at least like five of them so it was really cool because I was able to interact with them I was like hey like I'm just a freelance guy um so if you can talk to your guys you know at the dragons if y'all need some more photographers you know if you like my work you know definitely uh put in a word for me so it was really cool because I was actually able to interact with a lot of the players so now with you know everything that's going on for me it's definitely sad to see you know the xfl currently bankrupt um just because of uh you know they can't put on any games um and they had to cancel their season but it's it's that experience was really cool and you know i'm definitely rooting for xfl to to make a comeback from all this yeah man that's an amazing story you know be able to you know, stack the chairs and use all these as your it table. It was crazy. I literally was editing on like six chairs stacked <laughs> up as a table. So I, I am picturing that, and that's the epitome of freelance journalism. You know, you yeah, know, you gotta do what you gotta do. Yeah, especially with like the rookie in the room. I think everyone knew that they were like, "Damn, this guy is obviously dedicated." But yeah, like you know, they all had their designated spots on the tables, and I was like, "I'm just the kid in the corner with you know my laptop on some chairs." <laughs> so. 
so you know we're let's say shooting um peewee football is probably a good you know learning speed because it's a little bit slower and then you work your way up to you know like uh i wouldn't say like jump to high school i think little they're just you know the early years of football you know in your career mm-hmm. you know you want to you know build up to nfl pro speed what was your strategy when you went into that? Because, you know, outside of, you know, technical, you know, technology uh, limitations, uh, how, and in you being in other spots, how else did you take those photos? What was your mindset? Yeah. Um, so, uh, especially with it being, you know, my first ever football game, first ever pro game, because um, everything else, you know, I shot was either high schools, kids, or, you know, like uh, college sports. So it was college sports in Oregon is definitely, you know, a little, a little bit of a step up in terms of production and, you know, professionalism. But, you know, I, like I said, I never got a media pass for them. So the biggest thing that I took from, you know, uh, from all those experiences to bring that into my experience in the, in that game, that XFL game was basically like just to remain professional. I think, you know, even though I said that, you know, I was like acting like I've been there before. I think that was really like part of the experience, you know, just like when I was on the field, you know, I tried not to get in anyone's way because football sidelines are crazy. I'm passing, you know, players, coaches, you know, other media staff and, you know, the whole production was there. So just like trying to remain professional, not get in anyone's way and like kind of act like I knew what I was doing since I, I've never shot a football game before. I don't know where to stand. I don't know, you know, what the next play is going to be. Um, but just using, you know, just like kind of my intuition of like, you know, I, I feel like this might be the spot and, you know, uh, knowing the sport of course can really help because, you know, it's third and long, they're not going to run it there or they're not going to throw it. They're going to run it. So you can see, you know, like with the time remaining, like they're going to do this, they're going to do that. So doing that, um, really helped me because, you know, I'm, I'm really paying attention to the clock and, you know, who, who's up right now, like, what are they going to go for? Um, so just like all the all these different things was you know was I was like let me just you know be a professional let me you know see where I need to be and and I got one of my one of my favorite shots um, because it was I knew it was going to be a pass um, got the touchdown pass you know the guy catching it and it, it was a whole experience with just like being professional trying to you know I know I know where the next play is going to be or you know I can predict at least. And, you know, it's not being next to photographers that are doing the same thing, but just like seeing where they're going to be too, because I know that they've, they're more seasoned than I am. And just taking, taking every opportunity to, you know, do, do whatever I can. Um, my first couple shots um, was the team running out of the tunnel. And there were some photographers that were on the field, like on the field, like taking some photos. And then me and a couple others were on the sideline. And then one of them asked me, hey, like, are we able to go on the field for, like, you know, the, the tunnel run? And I was like, you know what? I, until someone says no, I'm just going to go do it. So I just went. And then they followed me. And I was like, yeah, like, I mean, we're, we're obviously media. So, you know, I wasn't afraid of getting kicked out. But I was like, maybe they'll tell us to move or, or something. But, you know, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go. Because, like, at that point, you know, I, 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 I didn't even know the tunnel run was about to happen because, you know, I don't know what's going on. So I was like, you know what? Let's just go. So I, I went. Um, got some amazing shots from that. So it was just being as like, you know, around everyone and professional as possible. Yeah. That's awesome, man. So your next, or actually me, one more follow up. 
were you able to make any connections? Cause you talked about making connections with players because you mm-hmm. sent out their photos to them and you also talked with them after the game. Uh, as far as other photographers, did we able to collaborate with anyone or get anyone's like uh, make connections with that kind of field since, you know, this is something that you have an eye for. Yeah. Um, the girl that asked me um, to, if we could go into the field um, who she was working under, um, I made a connection with them, um, like, cause it was, they're kind of like a two woman team. So I made a connection with them, um, to try to shoot some other games, but with everything that's going on right now, that's on hold. So hopefully I can, you know, exercise that connection, you know, a little bit later when there's some more opportunities, but my favorite story in terms of connecting with a photographer is, um, Rod Marr. He's like, probably he's, he's the guy behind all of the iconic Seahawks photos, like you've ever seen. Mm-hmm. He's been their photographer since like day one. And um, I messaged him maybe a week or like right before I arrived to that game. And, you know, I was like, hey, Rod, you know, I'm a huge fan of your work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm shooting my first XFL game, uh, you know, in like tomorrow or whatever it was. Um, I'd love some advice. I've never been to CenturyLink. You know, if you can, you know, help me out in any way, that'd be great. Um, I saw his story and he was out of town. So I was like, oh, I'm not not going to meet him there so I, a message is probably the best and then um, I'm at the game um, and then uh, you know like just with like journalism you know you're trying to set the scene so I'm taking wide shots of the arena and you know the close-ups of their cleats and all this other stuff so one of the photos I was taking was like of a helmet on the ground and it was like kind of artsy right but it was definitely like not really a needed shot but I was like leaning over in a weird angle taking the photo and I was like uh Pimping is when you look at your camera screen right after, you know, like it's better to just kind of shoot and trust that you know what you're doing. But I was, you know, chimping at like a helmet on the ground, not a sports shot. So it was like, what is this guy doing? So then, you know, I was doing that and then I kind of look up and then there was a guy like kind of laughing, not in like a mean way, but just like, you know, like, what's this guy doing? And I look up and, you know, I didn't recognize him at first, but now he was like having fun. I was like, oh yeah, this is great. You know, but I'm just taking a photo of a helmet. And then he goes, hi, my name's Rod. And then, like, it hit me. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, I didn't even recognize him. But, like, that, this is Rod Marr. I was like, oh, my gosh. Like, it's so nice to meet you. I was like, I actually messaged you, uh, like, yesterday, you know, um, about this game. And I said, I didn't think you were going to be here. He's like, oh, yeah, I saw your message, but I was so busy. Um, I was on, on that flight back, actually, because he posted he was in L.A. But he was like, oh, I was on the flight back, so I just didn't respond. Um, but, you know, like, now I'm here. He's like, so you want to ask me here? I was like. I'd love to. So like we talked for a little bit. Um, It was really, really cool to just like kind of pick his brain a little bit and, you know, shoot with him. You know, he was, he was shooting the game too. Um, I didn't talk to him after because he kind of made his edits and left right away. Um, But I messaged him again after showing him like what I did. And he was like, Hey man, this is great work. Um, Just like, you know, keep grinding, keep, you know, like making these connections, keep trying to come back and, you know, like your work is good. It's, it's, uh, you know, like you, we can use this. So he's like, just make sure you keep like showing up and, you know, we'll see what we can do. And I was like, that's amazing. So, you know, it was, it was cool. Cause like, I kind of made that connection with um, at least a sports photographer that, you know, like, I look up to, So that was really cool. So I really hope that once all this is, is done, I think, um, you know, I can definitely use him as a resource to learn some more. There you go, man. I'm so happy for you. There you go. That's yeah. awesome. It was just funny the way I met him because I was taking a picture of a helmet and the game was going on. <laughs> but it was fun. 
you know, life's funny that way. You know, you, you reach out, you throw something out there and, you know, hope to some big fish. And then, you know, if it doesn't happen, it happens, but you know, it happened for you. You know, it, it actually was able to follow through and look at that. You made a connection with a professional, you know, sports photographer for the Seattle Seahawks. I mean, that's yeah. for, for us, that's in the freelancing game. You're like, Oh man. Yeah. That's a win. <laughs> Yeah, it was, it was super awesome. He was, he was super nice. You know, he replied to all my messages after. So I'm like, you know, this was, that was really cool. Now I'm, I'm able to say that I shot with Ron Mar. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So, uh, you know, in the beginning of the interview, we talked about your fluid roots. You know, mm-hmm. you're wearing the shirt. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to make an assumption that you're also wearing the hat. If not, oh, I apologize. Yeah. There you go. That's what I thought so. Uh, can you kind of tell me about Fluid Roots? Um, what's your guys's, uh, I guess, mission statement, and what what are you trying to do with the uh, with the brand? Yeah, so um, Fluid Roots actually started with um, Davin. Davin is uh, the he's the other co-founder of Fluid Roots. Um, Davin actually is kind of like the heart heart of Fluid Roots because he actually had this idea way back in college. Um, I met Davin um, through Duck Street Dance Club, um, so we're both hip hop dancers. And um, just from there, he like always talked about this thing, fluid roots, fluid roots. And you know, at the time, I was like, oh, I don't, you know, it sounds like you know, a clothing brand, sounds like something you know, um, he'd love to you know get into and everything. Um, so I didn't really know much about it. You know, he made some shirts, um, and you know, we like at all our whole friend group, like the dancers, we all got them, so we we're all wearing these fluid root shirts and. At first, I really didn't know what it was. And then he kind of explained. So I guess it might be backwards on the screen, but fluid actually stands for something. So fluid stands for forever learning until I die. And in terms of dance, since that was kind of where it stemmed from from him, um, is that, you know, like, even if you're the best dancer in the world, right, you can always get better. So I think, especially with, you know, us being at, you know, the level that we were at in college, um, and like, like my experience of just dancing in high school going into college, you know, I, I was definitely always learning, you know, I wasn't the best. So just learning through each other and, you know, uh, like from, you know, everything that was around us, that was how, you know, fluid in terms of fluid roots really started um, for him at least. And then um, roots uh, is like always relating back to wherever you came from. So David is from Hawaii and then I'm from Washington, right? And then, you know, our ethnic background is we're both Filipino. So just like always making sure that, you know, no matter where you are, what you're doing, you always remember, you know, like, you know, the hard times or you know, wherever you came from, um, because that can be motivation for you moving forward. And then um, forever learning until I die is always, you know, you can relate that not just to dance, but you can relate that to anything in your life. So, you know, whether it's creating content, taking photos, um, basketball just because i mentioned that earlier um you can always learn more there's always a way to get better and putting those two things together it was fluid roots and then um when in it was actually first in 2018 when um i brought the idea up to david i was like you know i feel like you can make fluid roots into like a real thing you know i was like i feel like you know it's kind of just like within us like our friend group you know like with the dancers and everything but i was like you know I, i really feel like Fluid roots can be like a thing, like, you know, either like a brand, a clothing brand, something I was like, I feel like there's more to this than, you know, you printing off a couple shirts for us. So he was like, okay, okay. And then, you know, we started talking about it, started talking about it. And then 
basically from there we were like starting to order samples and I, you know i was like you know what? i feel like we can we can do this like we had shirts and everything blah blah, blah. and then come november 1st 2019 we launched the brand and um you know i we helped we put together a website uh we you know put together all the designs and everything and it's cool because i feel like you know now we have something that you know like it's real like we can wear it it's a thing it's you know it's a brand it's a vision it's it's everything so it, it, it came to life and it was just cool to see that from you know his idea from i don't know what year that was like 2015 or something like just you know a fun thing that you know he was he was just printing off for friends and telling us about but now it's like you know we're in 2020 and you know i'm wearing a, a hat a shirt like we have stuff on a website that we can sell it's you know like me telling the story of flute roots how it started and everything like it, it's cool because now it's like in, out in the world you know so yeah that was that's the story of flute roots's birth i guess <laughs> awesome man and um what you know i did see you guys' instagram and i did see you have some you have some shirts coming out do you have anything coming down the the pipeline that you can share with everyone yeah, so um, we definitely have some big projects coming. Um, can't be too specific, but just know that we got some some big stuff coming. Um, it's cool because, um, you know, like I said, we launched back in November. Um, we're in April now, so that's, you know, a little over six months. Um, and it's cool because I think, you know, especially in terms of running a business and, you know, uh, running a clothing brand and, and everything, especially with, like, the times that we're in and how different things are right now, um, we're definitely learning. <laughs> we're forever learning on how to run a brand and, you know, uh, you know, run like, you know, a business. So I think it's cool because I, I have like firsthand opportunity at, you know, being the head of something um, like Fluid Roots. So it's cool because like the creativity of, you know, like what, what goes on the Instagram and, you know, how we market our stuff, um, you know, what audience do you want to, you know, reach out to? It's cool because like we're kind of still learning too. But um, it's been a pretty solid six months. And uh, yeah, like I said, we got got some big projects coming. So, you know, don't want to give away too much, but just know that there are big things coming. Um, you know, summer's coming up. Uh, yeah, there's there's going to be a lot, a lot of cool stuff uh, coming for Fluid Roots very, very soon. That's so awesome. You know, I'll, uh, I'll shout out your stuff from the rooftops and I'll do what I can to help spread the word of Fluid Roots. Appreciate that. Thank you so much for yep. sticking around to the end of the video. Do you have any follow-up questions for the guest? Put them in the comments below and I will work to get those answers for you. For more content from KC Media, please hit the subscribe button and I'll see you guys next time.